Welcome everybody back to Veil of Sound video interview Sunday. And I'm very, very happy to once again stick to our slogan, lifting the veil from underground music, because I'm afraid that the guy I'm talking to just doesn't get enough props and doesn't get enough listeners. Uh, because I myself think the record that he put out is amazing and it's a very important record. So I'm very, very happy to have Rylan from All Men Unto Me here today on the show. Thanks for joining. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. Um, so we usually start with a shirt question and you and I already spoke about it. So I'll quickly say what I'm wearing and then you can tell us about something about the shirt of the day, so to speak. So in honor for talking with somebody who's living in Glasgow, if I remember correctly. Um, Close enough. What is it? Edinburgh? Edinburgh, yeah. Oh, well, Scotland. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I I know, but I'm going to get hate mail for that. So from Edinburgh, of course. Uh, But I chose something from Glasgow. One of my favorite Glaswegians of all time, Aerogram. With a little shout out to my friend Craig, who once said, after I asked him where I can get the first two EPs, and he said, try it on eBay. I got them. <laughs> it was a lot of work. <laughs> Nevertheless, so Ryland, what is your shirt of the day? Well, the last shirt that I bought was from the band Healthy Living. Um, so that's with Amaya Lopez, Caramero, Scott McLean, Stefan Perch. I'm saying that right. Um, and it's very cool. It's from their um, album, um, Songs of Praise, Song, Songs, of Adun- Songs of Abundance, Songs of Praise. I really should know that. That's really embarrassing. Um, it's very cool. It's got a, an old-fashioned kind of crutch on the front. It sells healthy living across the front as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll come to that whole group of bands um, also a little later. Um, your record is called In Transit. And it of course, indicates, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it indicates a certain kind of process, a journey, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Um, So In Chemical Transit, um, I suppose, is about my vocal transition as a trans man, so the process of taking testosterone and moving through the state of different voice. Um, But equally, I think about the emotional process of um, of all of that journey kind of hinged on a Mozart aria, Boyke Sapete, from The Marriage of Figaro. Um, so yeah, transition is kind of talked about in a lot of different ways in the album. Um, you've already mentioned it, so it's in chemical transit. Stupid me, forgot that one. Um, but um, let's first ask a very simple thing. I mean, like nowadays, through chemicals, and surgery and everything else, it is possible to, for lack of a better word, form your body into what one wants it to be and what one feels it feels it should be. Uh, how thankful are you for this chance? Because let's face it, a hundred years ago, it wouldn't have been possible. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, there've been trans people in history for, for hundreds of years for sure, in different cultures um, yeah. all around the world from different places. Um, but I think the um, the opportunity, especially in the UK, to find that through the NHS um, is, is really quite special. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not an easy process for sure. There's a lot of waiting lists, there's a lot of chats, there's a lot of conversations. Um, but yeah, ultimately, it, for me, it has been life-saving. Um, it's very much been the reason why I'm, I'm still able to be here today. Mm-hmm. We'll come to that life-saving moment in an, in an aspect in a moment. Um, you've already said that there have been transgender people throughout history. Um, that is clear. Um, but then again, we should make it clear that when we talk about transgender in the last couple of centuries, then we're basically talking about people who use clothing as a sign of different gender. Uh, or we talk about people who basically deny their own gender by clothing, um, also sometimes through certain sexual acts or whatever. But uh, this now 
when we're talking about transgender people, and especially when we're talking about people who are able to go through that process, this is more, right? This is adjusting. Um, and I want to make it clear, and I hope you understand, you, you will, I'm very sure you will support me. Um, fortunately, we're living in a time and age where this whole old argument of, oh, that's where God puts you in. You got to accept it. Fortunately, we live in a time where we don't have to anymore, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, there's obviously still pushback from, from some very small but vocal minorities, right? There's, there's still a lot of people who have an issue. But I, um, I would say it's um, maybe kind of my generation and folks younger that I've, I've really not noticed as much pushback with. There seems to be mm -hmm. a sense of yeah. acceptance that I don't think was there even 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I still remember, like, I think it was, I think 10 years is a good example on um, the first two such transformations within the musical realms I noticed were the transformation of Tom from, um, blah, 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 what was it, against me, into Laura Jane Grace and, uh, of Keith Caputo from Life of Agony into changing into Mina or transforming into Mina. Changing sounds stupid, by the way. Um, but yeah, I think like 10 years ago, that's a good spot. Um, here in Germany, I think there are still a lot of people with reservations against transgender people, of course, among the elderly. Um, how is it in Britain? How is the atmosphere towards <laughs> transgender people in Britain? I would say quite hostile. Um, mm. It very much depends. I mean, Britain, in, in a sense, is quite a big place, isn't it? I moved yeah. to Scotland eight years ago. So I'm from England originally. And I found Scotland a lot more progressive, a lot more welcoming. Okay. Um, as you say, there's definitely still a few older people who have more reservations. Um, but yeah, I, th I think there is in Scotland anyway. In the nice pocket of Glasgow I used to live in and the nice bit of Edinburgh that I live in now, um, there's definitely more of a sense of welcoming there's a sense of queer community um which yeah is really beautiful would you say that that is also that there is also a difference between rural area and urban areas yeah for sure i think that's the case for quite a lot of countries though isn't it like i think you often see um even language changing more so in the cities where you have that sense of community that is very uh unified in its geography so if you've got a group of people who all go to the same gay bar and they develop language that kind of uh, describes one of them, some of them that uh, spreads through that city more quickly. And the time it takes to travel to rural rural areas is often that bit longer. Yeah. Yeah, I can also remember, you know, um, I, I mean, like I'm coming from Cologne, so the gay capital of Germany, one of the most wonderful cities I've ever oh, nice. <laughs> not, not only been to, but when it comes to that, uh, I still have to say that the best parties that I've ever attended in Cologne were basically the parties in the gay bars. That was just so much fun. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Amazing. I mean, like, no better carnival parties than the carnival parties at Gloria. You know, that was like, okay, best fun ever. <laughs> um, That's amazing. I'm actually... I'm, I'm... Hmm? I was going to say, I'm coming to Cologne in a few weeks for a, a gig with my jazz ensemble. So if you've got any recommendations for places, please let me know. I do. Just, awesome. just, just remind me to send you some. <laughs> um, <laughs> so a shout out to all my folks in Cologne. Um, it's it's always wonderful to go back home and, and to enjoy some time there. Um, Rylan, first of all, um, I guess that Rylan is the chosen male name. And being the music nerd that I am, is it a reflection on Bob Dylan? <laughs> I wish it was. I really wish I could say yes. Uh, no, it's not. So my um, my surname is Gleave, which is a Welsh name. Uh, my family's from Wales. It means sword maker. Um, oh. When I was choosing a name, I wanted something that was yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very um, very death metal of me. I wanted something that was also Welsh, um, and it's actually it's a, a unisex name, Rylan. It can be used for um, anyone, kind of regardless of gender. Um, but yeah, it's it's not 
well, it's not similar to my former name, really, but it's got some of the same letters. Um, I just, I just liked it, and that'll do. <laughs> well, isn't it the way that every Welsh name has a Y, an L, and an A in it somewhere? I mean, like, a... <laughs> whenever I look at Welsh right, places, I'm like, <laughs> how do you pronounce that? And I'm not even talking mm -hmm. about that yeah, LLPG blah, 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 blah thing, you know, like. Um, no, but, but I, I can understand that. It, uh, as as I learned a little bit of Irish when I lived in Cork, I know it. those really Celtic languages have a beautiful sound. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about the personal history of Ryland Leaf that is involved in this record. Um, there are recordings of yours that have three different time levels in it, basically, um, if I remember correctly. So uh, one of them being the present, being now. Can you clue up a little bit of which recordings we hear from which points and periods in your life? And that, of course, also has to do with the chemical transitioning. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I think the most obvious one is in the final track, Senza Saper, um, because that's a recording of me aged 14 singing the aria in full. Um, today I'm 26, so that, well, that was 12 years ago. And that's the most glaringly obvious because the pitch of it is so different. Um, it was before I'd started taking testosterone. It was before I'd, I'd even really come out to most people that I knew. Um, and as such, it's a very high mezzo-soprano range. So it's not quite top soprano, it's not kind of alto. It's that middle point of like, um, some of those top notes are very bright, very shiny. Um, but yeah, I, I sound very young in it. I don't have much control over my voice. Um, but it's, you know, it's nice, it's very pleasant, you know, it's, it sounds like a young person singing opera. Um, and then in the interlude and in the fourth track, I seek something outside of myself. I used the same recording of me about eight or nine weeks on testosterone when I was um, practicing for my ABRSM vocal diploma tuition exam. Um, and I, yeah, really couldn't sing it very well um, because I think at the time, um, eight weeks, whilst it doesn't sound like a lot of time, um, had made, it made me sound like I had a constantly, like a sore throat. Everything was kind of gravelly. So my voice yeah, was shifting it does, downwards. It does. Yeah, and so then trying to trying to sing that kind of top fluttery stuff was impossible. Um, so yeah, there's a funny disconnect of like it's not quite there yet. It's the start of that process. So let's let's as you've already said. Okay, now you're 26. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the the vocal recordings for the record were made last year. So then you were it was... 24, 25, and that middle yeah, point. What age was it then? <laughs> Um, so I started taking testosterone in 2017 in March. So I would have been 20. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you say that so it's not, yeah, it's, you say that it's not a lot. It sounds like not a lot of time, but it's to clear it up. You had to, or if I, if I looked it up correctly, you you have to take testosterone basically on a daily basis through that first period, right? It depends what kind of testosterone you take. Okay. So there's three different kinds. Yeah, one of them you do take every day. It's like a gel sachet that you rub on the skin. Um, the one that I take is an injection every 12 weeks. So it's quite mm -hmm. low maintenance, really. I just go to my GP and it's, it's quite easy. And then there's one you can take, which I think has a smaller needle, but it's every three or four weeks. Um, but yeah, essentially it's, it's slow release. So it's, it's the equivalent of taking it every day. It's just amazing for me, you know, when I hear that, that basically means that you hadn't taken a lot of testosterone in a way, but it changed your voice. I don't want to say dramatically, but very audibly. Um, <laughs> just to clue one thing up for our non-British listeners and viewers, the diploma that you were talking about, that is the diploma for being allowed to teach music, isn't it? Yeah, so it's for one-to-one -one tuition, like private teaching. Yeah. Ah, only for so it's not it's not something with which you could go to a school and apply to be a music teacher there. Not to do like classroom teaching, no. Yeah. No. Okay. 
You need you need a tuition to do that in in, in Britain. Wow. <laughs> well, you don't have to. Um, I I wanted ah, to. It was okay. it was on offer as at a reduced rate whilst I was studying, mm-hmm. um, and I thought like you know I'd already had quite a lot of um, young trans people come to me who just started taking testosterone who wanted to take testosterone and say I really want to sing. Um, I'd been teaching people for a little while and thought it would be really nice to have a bit more in the way of skills to do this properly. Because um, mm-hmm. there's, you know, surprising, maybe not surprisingly, quite a lot of young trans people who really want to sing and don't have the relationship with that voice that they would like. The voice maybe doesn't sit where they want it to, the pitch is maybe wrong. Um, and yeah, I think it's nice as a, as a music teacher to, um, to show them that you've also had that experience, that you can mm-hmm. understand where they're coming mm-hmm. from, not just say, oh, just do some exercises and it'll be fine. Yeah, um. <laughs> just go on, ruin your voice, and you don't need it. Yeah. <laughs> do you still do that? Do you still teach? I did for quite a long time. Um, I don't do much one-to-one tuition anymore, but I do a lot of workshops. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to um, the Stoller Hall in Manchester for part of Manchester Pride in a couple of weeks to do a workshop for young trans singers, kind of beginner trans singers. Um, it's really rewarding. It's really fun. You meet really interesting people. I guess it's also even more rewarding than normal musical teaching or teaching in general, because as you said, you know, there are a lot of trans people who, who want to express themselves, right? And I think that the voice is, of course, the thing that you need for that. And uh, at the same time, you know, whichever process you're going through, it it has an effect on your voice. I mean, like, we all notice it. As soon as we have a cold, our voice is more itchy and scratchy and whatever. And I guess that that is even harder. You see, I'm sometimes trying to find the right words for that. Um, but when you yourself listen to those recordings from your age 14, from age 20, do you still connect that with yourself? Is that you or is that another form of you? That's a really good question. I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I think I recognize it as like a, a past tense of me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's still, yeah, I, I still feel connected to them in some way, but it, uh, um, in the, in the same way, I guess that you might look back on like your childhood and think, yeah, well, I kind of know that person, but I've, I'm not that person anymore. I've grown from that person. You know, they might've been the kind of cocoon that the, the caterpillar was in that I've kind of expanded into this, this butterfly or whatever. Um, so yeah, there is this, a sense of connection, but I think there's a, there's, there's definitely that sense of disconnect. Because obviously when I speak now, or if I sing now, my voice sounds very different. Um, and obviously boys who, like, yeah, like cis boys who've been through puberty. So like, obviously when you went through puberty, your voice will have dropped. Do you remember much of what your voice was like before that? I don't. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the more time you spend away from it, right, the more time you kind of, it's hard to recall what that was like. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I think it's hard for everybody to listen to him or herself. Um because the way that we hear our voice is always different from what the other people hear. Um, yeah. But I guess in, in that case, it's even very, very much different. Um, you say that you still feel some kind of connection to it. The process, the transit that you have gone through. Let's go to the start of it. <laughs> I was just wondering about that a moment ago. Um, how did your parents react when you came out to them as not only gay, but also transgender? <laughs> yeah, they, they didn't like that. <laughs> oh, wait, did, did um, you come out as gay and at all? Because, you know? <laughs> yeah, so I think actually when I was maybe 13 or 14, I thought I was a lesbian. So I told my parents that. And they kind of didn't care, which was good. Um, and then I kind of, cause I knew that I was queer. I knew that I wasn't straight, but I, because I hadn't really, I hadn't had the language to describe that I was trans. I didn't really know what that was. So I thought yeah. I must be a lesbian. And I, I dated this very nice woman and I was not a lesbian. Um, and then, yeah, I think started dating this guy and thought, okay, well, I'm, I may be bi, I, ooh, I don't know. 
Um, but I think sexuality and gender then are kind of tied, for me anyway, quite intrinsically. No, um, we're not. Because, no. yeah, so yeah, um, my parents were not super, I don't think I ever came out to them as gay. I think I just dated lots of men and they were like, fine. Um, but I think for them, they're, um, they're not that much older. They're not super, super old. Um, but they are definitely from a different generation where um, it was seen as, I guess, a, um, not, a, not a moral issue, but a thing that was kind of fine for other people, but not for my child, not for my kid. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was a, there was a fair amount of tension in those, those first few years. Um, it wasn't super easy. I can imagine. You know, be, I, I guess that your parents are probably like my generation. I guess I'm 44. I guess your parents, but the way you say it, they won't be much older. They're a fair bit older than you, yeah, yeah. Forty-four is yeah. not old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but but you know that's that's something that that I um that I notice. And being a teacher, I also notice that fortunately we have a lot of nowadays we have a lot of respect and admiration and and love and however we want to call it, however which positive word we want to give it, we have a lot of that for homosexual people um that is a normal thing nowadays i'm also very happy that we got a few gays in my staff that is very cool Absolutely. one of them is one of my best friends oh um but i also see the change you know i think that we need another maybe 10 12 years until we have the same amount of acceptance for transgender um Because I think it's also very difficult for those people to, or for 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 you, Rylan, and for other people to talk about it openly. Because I'm not sure, but when you found out about yourself that you're basically living in the wrong body, for lack of a better description, was it also a point where you had to find love for yourself, for your own identity? Not even for your sexuality, but for your own gender? Yeah, I think my... Um, I, I got very ill as soon as puberty hit, really. It suddenly, I was absolutely fine as a young child, didn't really experience dysphoria, because I, I didn't really have a gendered upbringing in that sense. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I'd... I'd had to go to an all-girls school which was <laughs> pretty bad but in terms of like my free time I can kind of do what I wanted um and I think as soon as puberty hit and my body started changing there was a sense of like something is deeply deeply wrong um and my mental health at that time was appalling um and kind of continued throughout my teenage years and I hadn't realized until much later that it was a sense of like oh no no I might this this isn't matching who I who I am this isn't matching who I feel all these changes are wrong um and I think I had to kind of learn the self-love post that. Originally, it was just survival. It was kind of coming out of that and going, okay, what can I like actually do to not, <laughs> not feel so dreadful? What needs to change both mentally and physically for me to like align with myself? Um, and I think the, the tricky part of that is those waiting list times um, because I, it took me, what, five years to get testosterone on the NHS? From calling okay. them first to actually getting a prescription written, it's, it's quite a long time. Um, and I think for people so who then, then you applied when you were 15? So I called them, um, I think when I was 16 or 17. Wow, that's still a lot of time. Um, yeah, and I mean, obviously, you have to be 18 to actually get prescribed hormones in the UK. Mm -hmm. um, and so the kind of waiting list for that is quite a long time. Um, because I'd had a history of not great mental health, I had extra appointments to make sure that this is what I wanted. They were, you know, saying yeah. this is what I was doing. Um, and then obviously there were delays in the system because it's, it's the NHS, it's overworked, it's overloaded, letters get left here, references, you know, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of issues. And then, you know, COVID. Um, so yeah, like I think, um, yeah, there had to be a lot of self-love learned in that because when you're waiting for so long for what when you never have an end point it feels endless um there's yeah. there's a sense of how do i make myself feel okay in the meantime if i can't change anything what do i have to do mentally to still keep dealing with the world around me 
And then did that amount of self-love grow through that process? Ooh, another good question. <laughs> um, Sorry. I, mean, I think, um, yeah, no, no. It's if, if it's too it's personal, you don't have to answer. But... No, no, no. No, not at all. I think just, I think really interesting because you're, you're asking questions in a way that I wouldn't normally think about. So it's, yeah, it's really interesting to, yeah, figure out what I actually think. <laughs> um, I think, um, I think it did very slowly because obviously whilst my voice on testosterone started getting quite weird quite quickly, um, things like your face shape changing or growing facial hair, um, or your voice actually settling properly, those things take a really long time. Um, I've been on testosterone for five and a half years now. And I still can't grow a beard. You know, I've got like a little bit of like scrappy neck fluff that just looks ridiculous. It's a lot to do with jeans, isn't it? You know, some people, I know, look at your beard, it's gorgeous. <laughs> Very jealous. Very jealous. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there was a good uh, two and a half years where some people would read me as a woman. Some people would read me as a man. Sometimes they'd be in the same group and they'd be arguing over it. And I'd be going, oh, uh. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> it's really funny. Um, but yeah, it wasn't a like probably about three years taking testosterone that was consistently in public read as male um so yeah there's a transition in that sense as well isn't there of like even though i'm on testosterone i've, I've started this i'm still people going oh miss would you mind doing blah blah and going okay sure <laughs> yeah um I lost my train of thought here for a moment, but <laughs> I can come back to it. Um, yeah, very easy question. Uh, I mean, like, we all know that that pronoun question. Uh, do you now think of yourself as he or as... Yeah, sure, yeah. Oh, it's always been he, him. Well, no, tell you, when I was 16, I thought I might have been non-binary. I tried they, them pronouns for a while didn't really fit for me so yeah for, for as long as i can really re well, not remember but yeah for me the, the vast majority has always been he him um and yeah that's what people kind of assume now people just go oh he and people it's funny people often assume i'm gay i think it's the way i dress i've got a little nose piercing two ear piercings and you know a little bit camp so people just go ah a gay cis man which you know it's kind of fine i think it's just funny that that's the thing that people jump to they go oh you must be gay so if i'm, if I'm effeminate in any way it's because i'm gay it's not because i'm trans which yeah it's, it's quite a nice point to be at isn't it <laughs> but but you are dating guys right i'm i'm i'm, I'm correct yeah. i do that yeah 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 absolutely <laughs> you will have a lot of fun in cologne my friend you will have a lot <laughs> oh, i can't wait that should be good <laughs> um Let's talk. Let's let's close this chapter for a moment and oh, yeah. go to okay. the music because we forget about the music. Um, you wrote in Chemical Transit. If I remember, if I did my research well, you wrote it all by yourself, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, so I've written a score for all of it. It's um, written with like traditional classical Western notation. Okay. Um, and then there's two. There's one movement, the solo cello movement, Ma Pomi Piace Langue Così, which is like the cello and electronics. Um, that's more flexible than its scoring. So there's kind of some free improvisation that's kind of guided within that. And then part of Freezing Flames um, has a little improv section as well. Um, but other than that, it's like, yeah, it's entirely scored out on paper. And then, of course, the question has to be, I mean, like, you have a classically trained background. We will come to your black metal background in a moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you produce a record which is neither, which is, if I had to put it in words, I would say experimental post-punk, avant-garde, whatever. Nice. Yeah, I hate genres, but as a journalist, you have to. Um, yes, yeah. Is, were there any particular influences on it? Or is this just the way that you would put your transit into music? I What I thought was fascinating in the review that you wrote was that you mentioned Lingua Ignota, because um, I listened to Caligula when it came out, and I was still writing in Chemical Transit. And I suddenly thought, wow, this is someone who is, is not doing the same thing for sure, but like has has a very similar approach in terms of that classical background and upbringing and has kind of opened the doors on it and let it move 
into whatever wonderful stuff that is now. Um, so yeah, I thought that was a fascinating comparison because that was very influential for me. Um, just that, that knowledge that I could do something like that. And I think that had an effect on the shape of it for sure. Um, similarly, um, lots of, I mean, obviously the Mozart aria itself um, is reminiscent of that very classical period. So there's lots of things that I borrowed from that and kind of recontextualized. Um, but equally, like um, <laughs> stuff like um, Purcell's opera, the kind of older Baroque stuff, I borrowed a lot from the ornamentation. So the way that you kind of move around a note before landing on it. Um, often the performers are told when you're playing the section, add very heavy or very light Baroque ornamentation. Um, so that, yeah, you kind of get the sense of the performer's identity as well as just the notes that I've written. Interesting, because we all know that that person from from Lingua Ignota has also a classical background. Now you're referring to Parcells. So classical music still has a lot of influence on you or is still something that you, you listen to, it seems, a lot. Yeah, I mean, most of my job, my, because my, my kind of day-to-day -day is being a composer. It's writing music for ensembles, for organizations, for choirs, chamber groups. Um, so I have to be, I think, quite fluent in that language. And when I wrote in Chemical Transit, I was still studying. I was doing my master's degree um, in composition at the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland. So I was kind of surrounded by contemporary classical music on all sides. Um, and it's only been the last kind of I mean, I graduated in July 2021, so the last two years, really, that I've been doing more stuff like Ash Inspire, like classwork with the jazz ensemble, um, stuff with power orchestra that's kind of horizon broadening, um, that, yeah, explores genres that aren't just contemporary classical music. So I think it makes sense that for me anyway, that that one, that album in Chemical Transit is still very new music-y, contemporary classical. Um, but the stuff I do now is kind of more influenced by the other things that I've done. Um, do you have any kind of like modern, modern or neoclassical composer where you say like, okay, I like that a lot and not enough people listen to him or her? Ooh, um, that's a good question. I mean, not Fausto Romatelli. Fausto Romatelli. Um, he's not super, to tell super you. current, um, but I think. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, he wrote some absolutely fantastic stuff that I think toward the end of his life, particularly like moved into, um, it moved away from like new music, contemporary classical music. And he kind of sampled lots of different artists, lots of different bands. Um, he's got a, a big long album called An Index of Metals. Um, and it, to me, it doesn't sound like contemporary classical music. It just sounds like good music. Um, and yeah, that's the one that I think kind of fringes on the boundary of like, um, yeah, of new music and other cool stuff. Roma Telly, you said, right? R-O-M-A Telly. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll put it into the show, no, show notes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah can link it. Yeah, he's um, what I also sometimes felt, I, I had, I don't know why, I sometimes felt as if it I mean, like, in a way it is. I felt like it is a soundtrack. Um, and I mean, like, in a way, of oh, course cool. it is, you know, when we think of that transitioning. Um, do you listen to soundtracks? Is that something that you're into? Yeah, yeah. Um, probably not as often as I would like to. Um, but I, right, so I love horror films. Horror films are my top, top genre. Anything that's really spooky or, like, airy. Um, and I, I don't know if you saw Hereditary a few years ago, um, but Colin Stetson's soundtrack for that was like bone chilling. It was so good. And I think it worked I, on some I, I think I, I, I know that I saw a movie with a Colin Stetson soundtrack, but I think in German it had a different name. I'll look it up. Ooh, okay. Okay. So, so what did you like about it apart from the bone chilling? <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, it complemented the um, the visual so well, but like to listen to it on its own, it's really immersive. Um, like mm -hmm. it's transportative. I think you can you can listen to it on its own and project your own kind of visual imagery into it. Like it doesn't have to accompany the movie, and it goes really well with the movie. Um, but yeah, very like very evocative on its own, very visually evocative. Would that also be something that you would like to do? Score a movie. <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I did a couple of student projects when I was a student, um, but I think visuals are something that I'm coming around to after because I, I don't think I'm particularly visually minded. I can never take a good photograph. I can't get the composition right. The lighting is all confusing. Um, but I think visuals and aesthetics is something I'd like to be a lot better at. Um, and some of that comes back to In Chemical Transit, like in the live performance that we did in Edinburgh, costume was a really important part of it. Like I had my, my big floaty sleeved dress shirt thing um, and the big train of the skirt and I tucked it off and I kind of had my massive shoes, which are, you know, <laughs> very important. Um, and I think there's something in there about um, that gives me confidence and that makes me a better performer because I'm, I'm not trying to convince anyone of anything. I'm just I'm just being confident. So yeah, visuals are something I'd like to get into a bit more. We have now talked a lot about music and we'll come back to the stage moniker that you gave yourself. But I want to use it to paraphrase something. Your stage name is all men unto me. Um, would you also say that everything and all kinds of music are the same unto you? They just have to touch you? I like you? that comparison. Aha, I really like that, yeah. I think I just, I just like good music. Um, and I mean, some trashy music. Um, but we yeah, all do. I, I think, as you, as you were talking about genre, you know? <laughs> yeah, as you were talking about genre, it made me think, like, the music that I like to make, I think, exists in the gaps between genre. Like, it overlaps them. And as such, like, yeah, I, I like that I, I don't, as I'm not a journalist, I don't necessarily have to be concerned with them in the same way. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's just sometimes, you know, you, you think of stuff and, and I know that musicians don't have to think about genres and stuff and they also shouldn't, in my opinion. Mm. But, you know, people want to have some kind of boxes, right? So Yes, yeah. I know it's but, helpful, isn't it, for describing? It is horrible because, you know, we are for Veil of Sound right now in the moment of... of um, yeah, we are preparing a relaunch for the website and we wanna we wanna use genres for people in a way to make our website a little bit more rabbit holier. Mm. Um and we are fighting over genres like, oh, we must include avant-garde death metal. No, we must include <laughs> American black metal. <laughs> Where is the difference? <laughs> But I've now already mentioned your stage moniker a few times. All men unto me. I am not sure, but I'm... I figure you know that it's John 13, 32 from the Bible. It is. Why, di why did you choose that as your, your stage moniker or the moniker for this project? Mm. I think... Um... I have quite a complicated relationship with religion and with faith. And the, the second album that I'm working on for All Men Oh, wait, me, a, trans, a trans man has a problem with religion and capitalism? <laughs> and Oh, I cannot see why. Just you know, a few issues. <laughs> Nothing major, just a few issues. Uh, yeah, but I think um, I, I picked it when I was, I was up in um, Lusk in the um in scotland kind of north of scotland um and i was recording well i'd written some music for strings for my friend's album fergus hall he'd written this really beautiful album called isola um and i'd gone up kind of with the performers and they had this massive stained glass window in the church we were recording on with that john quote underneath um, and i've been thinking about a different stage name and i don't know something about that that window and that place and that um the resonance of that room just really clicked and i went oh, of course this is this is the name that it has to be and i think there's a nice like there's a nod to, to masculinity in there isn't there like all men unto me it could almost be like a, a battle thing or like a war um and i think that's quite funny because i'm you know not that guy at all and like not masculine in the very macho traditional sense so i think it's yeah it's quite funny to like present that as the kind of men or men and then it's like you know me <laughs> turning up doing my little trans album maybe to give a full quote for everybody who doesn't know the bible by heart like i do <laughs> not <laughs> um john 12 32 is and i if i be lifted up will draw all men unto me. That is the full quote. That is what is um, being put in, into the Messiah's mouth. You know, that is what 
that um uh, how do you call it that gospel tries to tell us that he said um so i also like the idea of if i be lifted up there is this little bit of doubt in there um mm. i do you doubt yourself as a musician or are you very how should i say uh do you know your strengths let's put it like that uh i'm learning them for sure i think um yeah i think due to that kind of teenage period of being really unwell um and everything that kind of followed that um had really really crap self-esteem for a really long time mm -hmm. um and it's, it's getting there it's, you know i'm really really trying to work hard on it um but i think yeah i think there is that little bit of doubt and i think most musicians have that little bit of like is it always that i think if you're working anything creative there does tend to be that sense of like quality assurance that's really hard to look at your own work with yeah yeah are you aware that dh lawrence also used that line from the from the bible in one of his poems because that's what's one of the I'm first not. things that i um also doing my research find out he has a poem called saint matthew and um it's interesting because it starts with a line that i think can still be applied uh, to the way we as humans deal with each other. Uh, he says, they are not all beasts. One is a man, for example, and one is a bird. I, Matthew, am a man, and I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. That is Jesus. Um, do you... I mean, like, the way you responded right now, you don't know the poem, which is totally fine. Um, but do you feel as if um, there is also a little bit of ambiguity in the title? And that is what, what D.H. Lawrence used. Um, because basically, one could also say all men, referring to the plural of man, or referring to the plural of humans. Do you think that there is some ambiguity for you yourself in the title as well? You know, talking about males or all humans? Um, I, I like that as an idea. I can't lie and say that I've thought of it. Um, I, I wish I had. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think ambiguity on a broader sense for sure exists within the project and within the project name. So yeah, it's not a stretch to say that that might also be applicable. Um, but yeah, you're and now you see stuff. where why I came up with this question as a build up to the next one. I think one thing that we should also clarify here, although you are a trans man, although you are still on testosterone, although you're going through that process still, we shall not make you a poster boy, right? Because every person is one person himself or herself. Yeah, for sure. And I, I can only speak for myself, can't I? I can't speak for the rest of the community, for the trans community in any way. Um, everyone's experience is very different. Um, so yeah, I, I appreciate that because it's, it's often that you, uh, yeah, you, you do get made into the kind of golden boy. Of the, this person has said it, so it must be true. And I'm going, that's, that's just about me. That's not mm -hmm. about anyone else. Do you also encounter this, oh, you, as in you people, you trans, do you also encounter that? sometimes uh a little bit yeah a little bit um i think i think what I, what is most common is people who really have the right ideas the good um yeah. good intentions and then yeah. maybe they just phrase it in a way that is slightly not right it's slightly off and you can you can hear the good intentions you can feel the empathy the curiosity the warmth and then they just slightly put their foot in it just a little bit and you have to go okay you have to really remind yeah, yourself, like, you know, they're not trying to be rude. <laughs> yeah. I am like, as I've said before, it's also hard for me to, you know, find, I mean, like, first of all, English is not my mother tongue, but second of all, mm. it's also, I think, hard to find the right word in no matter which language you're talking about it in. Oh, yeah. You know, absolutely. Um, but as I've said before, we also, now that we have talked about the music of Ogman unto me and everybody should listen to In Chemical Transit. Everybody should listen to it. It's one of the two records that I say people who are curious 
and who want to find out more about deep personal experience uh, that they should listen to in 2023. The other is divide and dissolve systemic, uh, but that is something very different. So I think your record is, is, an, is an important one because it raises questions um, and because the music is simply brilliant. And I like the different versions of Mozart in it. <laughs> we also have to talk about some other stuff. One of them being Ashenspire. Apart from the fact that my friend Alistair and I did not have enough time to have a beer, or in my case, a cola, at Roadburn. <laughs> you can tell him that from me. Um, what is the status of a band? Are you writing? When do we get new stuff? I mean, like the last album was already, what, 12 months ago. Yeah. Uh, the short answer is, I don't know. <laughs> um, so I, I've been doing live vocals for Ash Inspire since 2017. Um, and it's great fun. I absolutely love doing it, but it's very much Alistair's project. It's his baby. Um, he cares about it so much. I see the work he puts into it and all of us put work into it in different ways. But, um, I think the writing process for sure, that's, that's up to him. He's got to, he's got to take the lead on that. I still remember watching you at Roadburn this year. And it was one of those moments where I saw a lot of people's eyes pop because of course you guys also <laughs> played with yeah. notions of male and female identities i love that but then again there was something that i noticed and i think that says a lot about the songs about you as a life band as a band in general um there were a few first seconds for a lot of people around me who were like and then <laughs> they were like oh that is good that is good stuff um is that little surprise moment also important for you, I think, or for Ash Inspire? I think, yeah, I think it's, it's quite a nice thing, isn't it? When you've defied someone's expectations. Um, I've seen a couple of reviews of that. That's like the singer came out in women's clothes and there was a bad chested kilt person. And it was like, yeah, I mean, they're my clothes. They're not, <laughs> not necessarily women's clothes. I own them. <laughs> Um, but I, I see the, yeah, I see the confusion, but I think it's, um, people maybe have an idea about us when we are presenting in that way. They maybe think we're going to sound a particular way, or we're going to have a particular live energy. And then we just kind of do what we've, we've always done. And we've gotten like, I think our live energy is very strong. Um, we've gotten like quite a coherent set together, even if musically yeah, yeah. sometimes wobbles slightly. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's quite nice to be able to provide that and, and be comfortable doing it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's also the way that um, even though it's clearly black metal, clear, but it's not only black metal. And I think that is another part of a very nice confusion that you deliver to people. Um, you have already mentioned healthy living and, well, healthy living, Ash Inspire, Mod the Mod. Would you already call that some kind of collective or is it just a group of friends who basically all make music. I think, yeah, I think other people are already calling it a collective. Um, I think it, for me personally, it's, um, I like working with people that I'm also friends with. Um, I think you get really, you get to know someone really well when you spend 14 days in a row in the studio with them. <laughs> um, and I think, um, yeah, I think it's really nice. And I think it's testament to a lot of people who've worked very hard to overlap between those projects, um, who kind of live in the same place that, you know, they're all kind of doing so well. Um, and yeah, I think there's, um, yeah, there's just been a lot of hard work involved in that. And a lot of people, like-minded people who want to make music and kind of have fun doing it and take it to that level that isn't maybe just a local band scene. So. We all cannot wait for more music from the collective. And first of all, Ryland, thanks for all those details by now. But of course, everybody has to go through the infamous quickfire round here at Bale of Sound. You too. You get two alternatives. You have to choose and give a short explanation for your choice. It could be like pizza versus pasta, China versus Japan, good versus evil. <laughs> um, Let's start out with something simple. The Highlands or the Hebrides? Oh, 
um, the Highlands because I am more familiar with them. I've not been to the Hebrides, although I would really like to go. Lingua Ignota versus Diamanda Galas. Oh, that's really hard. Um, it will only get slightly easier, <laughs> but don't worry. Uh, Lingua Ignota, because I think I, yeah, I felt more of that personal resonance with her work. Kendall versus Elgar. Elgar. Elgar all day. Yeah. Elgar's, yeah, that oof. So good. <laughs> John Coltrane versus Miles Davis. Ooh, um, Miles Davis. I think I've listened to just more of his work. Two soundtrack geniuses, Ennio Morricone versus Henry Mancini. That's too hard. I can't make a decision. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then two modern soundtrack geniuses, Johan Johansson versus, I forgot his first name, um, Göransson, the guy who did Oppenheimer, Göransson, or the guy who did Mandy, Johansson? Um, I've actually not seen Oppenheimer yet, so it's going to have to be Mandy. Do it! Is it good? Is it really good? 12 out of 10. Wow! Okay. Ap apart apart from, okay, history teacher has to acknowledge two facts. Um, uh, yeah. One thing that a friend of mine said, like, there are only female leads in it. Yes, sorry, but it's from the 1940s. There were mainly only female protagonists in that story second is and that is something that is definitely historically historically wrong um or it doesn't come up strong enough they don't talk enough about the pushing away the natives out of los alamos but otherwise it's a brilliant mm. okay so, i mean you, out of 10 yeah very high yeah so johansson versus goran goranson will have to be johansson mm-hmm Something for the Welsh guy. The Mannix versus the animals. Mannix Street Preachers versus Super Furry Animals. Mannix Street Preachers. Yeah. Um, the Holy Bible album is amazing. Really good. And the last one already. Panopticon or Wolves in the Throne Room? Ooh. Um, Wolves in the Throne Room. Actually, yeah. Alistair put me onto them. They're, uh, they're pretty decent. They're good. Enjoy. Wonderful. <laughs> Ryland, thanks for all the patience, because I have to admit we had a few technical problems before. I had a few technical problems before. Thanks for all the patience. Everybody listen to In Chemical Transit. If you don't know enough about it, check out the review here on our site. If you like what we do, give us a subscription. Give us a like on Facebook or on Instagram. If you want to support us a little bit more, head over to our website, where you will find all the information on our Patreon. And now, Ryland, for you, your choice for or your chance for final last words thanks for having me um it's been wonderful i yeah i've just really enjoyed chatting about stuff in a way that i haven't had to consider for a really long time it's been really interesting big thanks thank you very much take care bye bye bye